laugh at them all. Hey, happy Father's Day. Come on. Let's give it up for the dads. Come on, ladies. Listen. Hey, uh, man, how many know it's okay to have fun in church? That, you know, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, have it more abundantly. So it's okay to have fun in church and enjoy yourself in church. Now, with that being said, I'm about to tick off half of you with this message. So uh, we're kicking off a new series today called Shut Your Mouth. Look to your neighbor and say, no, don't do that. Uh, but let me go ahead and say this series, I'm going to be upfront and honest with you. I don't need this series. I never say anything offensive. I never say the wrong thing. I never lose my cool. I've got this down pat. So God said, bring this word to these heathens so that they can get it. The quiet, like I said, hey, the quiet is, is quite the opposite. And what I really want to say is you need to know that I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to anybody else. Because, you know, doing this a long time and saved a long time, and I still find myself where I say things that I regret. Can anybody relate? I'm preaching to myself. Words are powerful. Their words are powerful. One word can change everything. And, and uh, uh, see, words are, are connectors. Some of you will remember that. I know, Bill, I know you'll remember this. In 2004, uh, the Watts Bar Dam, the bridge here, was closed down. Uh, for a year and a half, you could not cross that bridge. Now, if you attended church here, that made it a little difficult if you were in Ray County because you either, the way to church, you either had to get up, go up through Rockwood, come down, then come down through 58, through Kingston. Or if you lived down in Dayton, you'd go down, or, or you had to go down to 30, come across through Decatur. What went from a 20 to 30 minute drive? went to an hour to an hour and a half drive. It made connect the people from Ray County, it made it tough for them to connect with the people in Mex County and vice versa. It was up there. In fact, it was so bad that my mom and dad did something that here in the South on Sundays was unfathomable. You did not do this. They became SMOs. Sunday morning only. <laughs> Sunday morning only. If you don't want to, listen, we, I, there was a time and there a lot of churches still do it. I, I have nothing against that. But we're Sunday morning, we came, we left long enough just to get refreshed and come back and do it all again. But they went to one service and, and they decided, hey, we're going to give the people their money's worth. So you showed up to church and you had church for about two and a half hours. And it was, it was church, but it made what that bridge right there connected Ray County with Mex County in the same way that that bridge connects our words connect us. Our words have the ability to connect us or disconnect us. Are you with me? And so there are a couple of things we need to understand when it comes to our words and how they connect us. And I'm just going to jump right into this. So if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. Words connect us to God. They connect us to God. The whole first chapter, hang with me for a minute. The whole first chapter of Genesis is God speaking, using his words to create, right? Right? 
God spoke and the sun appeared. God spoke and the ocean. I mean, that's what the whole first chapter was about. Now look at Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that worlds were framed by the what? The word of God. And get this, when, when God wanted to bridge the gap between himself and us, he did it through his word. Check this out in John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And now look three, three verses down to verse 4. The word gave life to everything that was created. God used his words. God used words to say, hey, let there be light. Hey, let there be vegetation, plants. He created animals through his word. He created this whole universe that we live in through his words, right? Come on, it's now a trick question, right? Well, when you look at God creating, using the word, speaking it, then you get to the end of Genesis 1. Look at what verse 26 says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, our likeness. If God, through his speaking, had the, crea- had the ability to create things with his words, and it says we were created in his likeness, what does that say about us? Now, I'm not saying we have the same power that God, when, when God spoke the word, but I, what I am saying is with our words, God gave us Ways we create with our words. Our words create. I'm, I'm getting, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Think about this. The, the way you and I, when you became a Christian, when you, when you surrendered your life to God, that connection was formed through words. Through, through words. Look at Romans 10, 8 through 9. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. According to Paul right here, there are two things that have to happen for someone to be saved or born again. One, they have to believe in their heart. Second thing they have to do is say it with their mouth. They have to confess it. They have to put it out there. And Paul continues reinforcing this in verse 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It's one thing to believe it with your heart, but it's a whole other thing to say it with your mouth and put it out there. Look what Paul says three verses later. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So yes, it's by faith we're saved. Yes, it's by believing in our hearts we're saved. But saying it with our mouth and using our words seals the deal. It seals it. Our words have power. Don't you think Satan knows your words has power? I mean, he knows. Do you remember when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan? How did he defeat Satan? Using the word with his words. Because there's power in your words or power in what you speak. And Satan knows that. He can't kill you as a follower of Christ. But what he can do is is either get you to shut up or say the wrong things or begin to use your words against you. He's crafty. And disconnection, when you feel disconnected from God, whether you are or not, can I tell you, I, I know personally, it feels incredibly lonely. 
when you feel that disconnection, it feels lonely. See, here's the thing. It's not enough just to connect with God. You've got to stay connected to God. You've got to stay. So how do we do that, Kelly? Well, let me give you a couple of ways to stay connected to God. The first one is this, with our praise or with our worship, with our praise. We opened up this service. The first 20 minutes of this service was worship, was praise. What were we, what were we doing? We were reconnecting because life, man, Monday through Saturday, life has a way of trying to disconnect you from God or putting all your focus on other things. And we come in here for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, we reconnect. God, I worship you. Yeah, I know it's been a bad week, but God, I thank you. Thank you. For, and you begin to reconnect with God. Through your words. Look, look at this, Psalms 100, 1 through 5. Five verses here. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Praise his name. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Those five verses we just read. There are at least seven times where it says, use your words. Use your words. Shout for joy. Worship the Lord. Come before him with singing. Enter with thanksgiving and praise. Give thanks. Praise his name. You know, uh, a lot of you may not, at 820, if uh, the ushers greet, we pray with anybody that is here to serve at 820 in the morning. We pray with our worship team, everybody. And this morning, man, we had the song playing, I Speak Jesus. And I'm a walker when I pray. So I was walking over here, and here's uh, Pastor Ben over here. And I'm not saying anything I don't think you don't know, or Pastor Ben does not know. Pastor Ben does not have the gift of singing. (laughs) And I walk, but here's what I love. Here's why I say that, because I walk over here. Pastor Ben doesn't care. He's singing, I speak Jesus. Your name is higher. Your name is greater. And what I witnessed was, man, him reconnecting with God. And it didn't matter if anybody liked the way he sounded. It didn't matter what it sounded. It was just him and God connecting. Him and God connect using his words. And and I'm going to tell you, the enemy knows he wants to keep us from connecting and getting into God's presence. And so he'll do things. I'm not even going to ask how many couples got into an argument on the way to church. Because, uh, one, I don't want to create another argument. But he will, man. You'll be, things will be fine. You'll get on your way to church, and then something is said, something is done. And that, before you know it, man, you and your husband and wife are pulling up to church. And then when you get out, you're, before you, you're, you get out and see somebody, oh, hey, God bless you. Or the kids. Kids back there arguing. They spilled something on their new outfit. And his whole objective is before you get here, let's cause them to lose focus. Let's get them mind so, so they cannot reconnect with God through their worship. So their mind. And then if he can't do it on the way here, he'll do it once you walk in the building. He'll start, you'll start noticing little things that annoy you. You'll start noticing things you don't like. You'll start noticing the, just a different level. And his whole thing is, let's get their focus 
of reconnecting with God. They're about to go into worship here. And I know if, if I don't distract them somehow, they're going to reconnect with God. And they desperately need reconnecting with God after the week they've had. And he tries, he tries. You stay connected to God through your worship. So I'm going to tell you, the enemy will come at you. He'll try to throw you off game. He'll throw things in your uh, pathway to try to get you to complain and gripe about them. Come on. And, and we'll start griping about things that are not even God's fault. How could God let this happen? How did God, God, God I'm trying to go to church. How, I, I ran out of gas. God's like, uh, I'm not the one that didn't stop when the light come on. That's all on you. But we'll throw things. Because why? The enemy's trying to distract us. So we connect with God through our praise, through our worship. The second way, we connect with God through our prayer, through prayer. Uh, there, and how many know this? Prayer is one of the only ways that I know that the Bible says you can continually stay connected with God through prayer. There's a continual connection that takes place. Look at 18.7. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cried out to him night and day, day and night? Continual, continual connection. Look at Ephesians 6, 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. And then 1 Thessalonians just puts it out there, 5, 17. Never stop praying. Stay connected. Stay connected. My dad used to say this all the time. He'd say, listen, if you had to pray to get saved, you probably going to have to pray to stay saved. There's a continual connection. There's something that happens when we pray. Why, why do you think Satan loves to, to get us to hold on to unforgiveness or bitterness or anger? Because if he can get us holding on, the, when you hold on to those things, it's really hard to connect with God when you've got all that junk in your life i'm telling you guys we we talked about this a few weeks ago uh, how in act 16 paul and silas they were beaten they were thrown into prison they weren't thrown into prison for any doing anything bad they were thrown into prison because they were doing what god told them to do and here they are in prison they're chained up chained up thrown in prison and look what happens act 16 verse 25 about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Get this. They weren't praying in their mind. They weren't singing in their mind. How do you know that? Because it says all the other prisoners were listening to them. And unless they were thrown into prison with a bunch of mind readers, people were listening. They were listening. Can I tell you this? People that know you're a believer are watching you when you walk through stuff. They're watching to see how you'll respond. They're watching how, how's, how are they going to react. And, and I don't think it, it, it's, we, we don't even say how bad this was that Paul and Silas, anybody think they wanted to be in prison? But here they were, and people were watching them. They're keeping an eye out for them. And, and the thing is, we'll, we'll, when, when we go through storms, people, whether we realize it or not, they're watching us. Are they going to see us say, God, how could you let this happen to me or to someone in my family or my friend? Or are they going to see us, you know what, God? I don't like this, but I'm going to praise you in the storm. I'm going to worship you while I'm walking through this, even though I don't like it. How you respond with your words matters. And then I'm going to tell you, here's the power of those words. The next verse, 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake 
that the foundations of the prisons, prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. That is the power of using your words to pray and to worship God. And get this, it didn't pick and choose who got set free. Everyone, everyone, can you imagine? Listen, I believe God wants to do that through us. That when we're walking through a situation, we're walking through a storm, something we didn't want, but life hits us out of nowhere. And people watching us, they begin to see us pray and connect with God. Maybe God is saying, I want them to see you do that So, because I'm going to set them free in the middle of that also. There's power, power in the words. Get this, guys. Every word you speak is a witness to the condition of your heart. Think about that. Well, well Keller, what, what does that even mean? When we speak, we're showing what's going on really inside of us. I mean, we are. We are. Uh, anybody remember there's a verse in Matthew 12 that people of faith, uh, they have debated this verse ever since I can even remember. And, and it's the one about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, the unpardonable sin. Anybody been around church, you know what I'm talking about. And, and it's been debated. And, but I want to read this. For, I don't want to just read the verse. I want us to read what's leading up to it and what happens after. I want us to get it some context of what's going on because every word you speak is a witness to condition of your heart. And we're about to see that played out right here. Let me give you some backstory. Uh, this demon-possessed man, he's deaf and mute. Uh, he comes to Jesus. Jesus heals him. He casts this demon out. People start saying, hey, could this be the Messiah? Could this be the one we're waiting for? Well, the Pharisees and the religious leaders didn't like it. So they started saying their own things. Oh, this guy, he, he cast out Satan or demons through Satan. It's the power of Be Beelzebub that he's able to cast out demons. So they began to say, well, you got one side saying, could this be the Messiah? And the other's accusing Jesus of being Satan, pretty much. He's casting out demons in his own power. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? Why would Satan cast out Satan? If he's got a hold on somebody, why would, why would he cast it out? And, and so this, that's where we're jumping in to the, uh, on this verse, Matthew 12, starting with verse 25. So Jesus knew the thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do you people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. Verse 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house, carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house? Verse 30, here we go. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, Every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Jesus knew. These Pharisees, it wasn't just a word problem they had. It was a heart problem. And their words was revealing the condition of their hearts during this time. 
condemning. Every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit. Then he says this in verse 32. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. Then check out verse 33. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. What's Jesus doing with that last verse? He said, hey, what you see come, by, come out of somebody's mouth, that's revealing their heart. Good tree, bad tree. But what really, and I didn't, I didn't even say this at, at the 9 a.m., but he says, make a tree bad. Make a tree good. It's like we can choose. We can choose whether we want to be the good tree or the bad tree. And he said a tree is recognized by its fruit. If a tree is producing bad fruit, guess what? It's because it's a bad tree. But if it's producing good fruit, it's because it's a good true, true, uh, tree. True, tree. If, if the, in other words, if the words you're speaking are good, it's because your heart. But if what's coming out of your mouth is not good, guess what? It's also the heart. It's also the heart. And this is how Jesus, stay with me, defines blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy against, it's not some sexual sin. It's not some deviant sin. It's not because you question God about something in your life. Jesus tells us, he hears the Pharisees accusing him of casting out Satan by the power of Satan. And he knows they're only speaking the words that they're because of the condition of their heart. Their words are showing the condition of their heart. Are you staying with me? Showing the condition, unbel there's unbelief about who Jesus is in their heart. So guess what comes out? Unbelief about who Jesus is. They refuse to acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God. And Jesus pretty much says this. If you continue rejecting me, if you continue denying who I am, the more you do this, the more you reject me, the more you deny who I am, the harder your heart becomes, and the harder your heart becomes, the harder it is for you to believe, and the easier for you to reject me then. This right here is very troublesome and bothersome to me, especially for what I see in our country right now. Here's why it troubles me, because we're told that truth is relative. Meaning, something that is true for one person is not true for another person. If it's true for you, then it's true. And don't question that truth. Truth is relative, depending on the subject. Denise and I watched this documentary a couple weeks ago. Highly, I'll tell you what the name is, but I highly, every parent, needs to watch this documentary. And then he said, I think every teenager, and I was like, I, I agree. And we're thinking about ha having a night where we invite uh, uh, parents and their teenagers out to watch it. But I'll tell you, before you go and watch it, because they're asking non-Christians questions. So there's some language in it. There's some language. But the documentary is called, What is a Woman? What is a Woman? I'm amazed I am amazed. I was amazed. People that were so smart could not give a straight answer to what. 
for me, growing up, that was a simple, what's a woman, what's a man, I can tell you. That was so simple. But what has happened? Truth is relative. Your truth about what a woman is, is I don't have to accept that. Well, according to science, if that's what we're looking at, what makes a woman what it is, but now truth is relevant. And if I don't agree with that truth, then I'm phobic in some way. Jesus looked at these people and says, your heart is eventually going to become so hard that you will refuse to believe the truth no matter what you see with your own eyes. Does that sound familiar? And the result of you believing whatever you want to, regardless of what you see, your heart is going to grow hard. And, and because your heart is growing hard, your destiny becomes hell. If you're going to continue rejecting me, if you're going to continue denying, if you're going to continue in your disbelief, then you're not even going to be able to receive the gift of grace that I'm offering you because you refuse to see the truth that's right in front of you. There's this verse in John, 1 John 1 that keeps coming back to me as I think about our nation and the condition it's in. 1 John 1 and 8. Says if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we refuse to acknowledge the truth, if we refuse and keep deceiving ourselves, if we continue to say to say the truth is relative, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That's why what's going on in our culture is bothering, bothers me. Here's the truth. I'm not transphobic. I'm not homophobic. I'm not any other. The only phobic I am is snakes. I hate snakes. And I, every snake can go to hell for all I care. Um, I do a lot like snakes. But I'm not homophobic. I'm not transphobic. I just don't want people to go to hell. And I want them to see who Jesus says they are. I'm sick of sin. I'm telling you, man, God, this is something God has really been dealing with me. Because people know me. I love everybody. I know the, the life that God has brought me out of, so I do not judge. But what I do is, is I'm getting to a place because for too long, the church, for, when I grew up, the, tr the church was all about truth. But no love. No love. And, and it, it was like, what? Well, I mean, they stood on the street corners and said, you're going to hell. Here's, here's what you do. No care. It was, hey, here's the truth. But then we crossed the line and went to all love with no truth. And I'm telling you, man, God has been dealing. He said, Kelly, we've got to, truth and love have got to exist together. See, I believe I can tell someone the truth. But it's the way they perceive, do I really care? Do I really love them? Or am I just telling them a bunch of facts because of who they are? Because there's a difference. When somebody knows you love them, they care, they may not like what you say, but they'll walk away thinking about what you've just spoken into them. See, when people continue to resist and reject Jesus, 
The hearts just become harder and harder, and it makes it impossible for them to receive him. That is the unpardonable sin. Jesus isn't done, though. Verse 34, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And he continues, a good man brings things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And this is where it gets really scary for us, guys. Look at verses 36 and 37. You can be sure of this. When the day of judgment comes, everyone will be held accountable for every careless word he has spoken. Then get verse 37. Your very words will be used as evidence and your words will declare you either innocent or guilty. According to Jesus, it's not just words. Every word we say carries the potential of life or death with it. Every word. Jesus said, the day is coming when you're going to give an account for every empty word that comes out of your mouth. What are we using our words for, guys? As followers of Jesus, what are we using? Are we using them to lift people up? Are we using them to encourage them? Are we using our words to give hope? Or are we tearing them down? Are we berating them? And that's not just this way. I'm talking about when you get on your computer and start doing it that way also. What are you using your words for? They're powerful. You may remember the movie. Uh, it came out a few years back. Uh, a Thousand Words with Eddie Murphy. Um, Eddie Murphy played the guy who was very careless with his words and and he ended up deceiving this monk or this guru. And so the, the guru kind of puts this curse upon, upon Eddie Murphy. And he's at home one morning when this huge tree just appears in his backyard. Eddie finds out that each leaf represents a word. And he has a thousand words. Every time he says any word, whatever the word is, a leaf falls. A leaf falls out. And the guy says, listen, use your words carefully because this is all you've got. Church, what, how would we use our words if we found out we only had a thousand words left? Would we use them more carefully? Would we use their words differently? Would those words have more meaning to us? Would they carry more weight? Man, I believe or I hope that we would choose our words wisely. Choose what we're saying to people. And you may say, well, PK, I hear you, but what about words I've already spoken? Here's the good news. I mean, 1 John 1, 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's the next verse that really speaks to me. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. I'm going to tell you, there are some of us here today, we need to repent for words that we have spoken. 
words that we have said, things that have come out of our mouth. And I'm getting ready to close if I can get bubble. Words connect us to God, but words connect us to people. Connect us to people. Let's try something real, real, real quick. Like if I was to say, well, no, I'm not going to try it because I don't, we're recording and it may go horribly wrong. But I've, I've, I've witnessed this. I've been out in a crowd, not even in the state of Tennessee. But I've heard somebody, I've been like, hey, go balls! And then you'll hear somebody, go big orange, go balls! What happened? Words just connected people that they didn't even know each other. The same happens if somebody says, roll tide. It kind of points out, hey, there's the heathens. And, <laughs> and then they connect with the Gator fans. And then it's just words. No, let's go. Words connect us. Words can go balls. I feel connected. Proverbs 8.20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his what? From the fruit of his what? His mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. He shall be filled. I mean, he's not talking about food satisfying him. The words. He's talking about our words. That whatever you're filled with is a direct result of the words that have come out of your mouth. If you're filled with bitterness, maybe you've been speaking a lot of bitter words. If you're filled with anger and resentment, maybe you've spoken angry or resentful words. I mean, according to this scripture, whatever you are filled with is the result of the words you have spoken. And, and get this. It's not just the words that I speak to, it, that I speak to myself. But if I tell Pastor Ben, man, Pastor Ben, dude, you're doing an incredible job. Man, you've got that problem, man. God's going to come through. You know, I'm building him up, but it says the words that I'm speaking to him that are building him up, guess what they're doing? They're building me up also. Why? Because words matter. They're powerful. It says a man's stomach shall be filled, shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Then look at verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You're either filled with death or you're filled with life by the words you speak. If you're filled with blessing today, if you're filled with hope today, it's because, man, maybe you've been speaking blessing and hope. If you're filled with doubt, if you're filled with anxiety, if you're filled with insecurity, maybe it's because that's what you've been speaking all week. Well, I doubt that things are going to change. I doubt things are going to get well. Your, that doubt is going to become your, it's a self-fulfilled prophecy. And it's not just because you spoke words of blessing or faith over yourself, but also because you spoke them over someone else. You spoke them. This is the passage of Scripture that has been quoted over and over. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. He's talking about how words connect us. And I found this so interesting in my study because he goes from that, 
life and death are in the power of the tongue. To the next verse, 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Anybody notice how he went from talking the context of talking about the power of our words and how they connect into a marriage relationship? Listen to me, husbands and wives. Could it be that your marriage is what it is right now because of the words you spoke over your marriage? That's good and bad. Could it be your husband continues to be what you hate because you keep speaking that over him? Vice versa? If your marriage is full of life, maybe there's a reason it's full of life. If your marriage is full of discontentment, there's probably a reason it's full of it. If your marriage is full of bitterness, there's a reason for that. The writer of Proverbs says the power of life and death are in our tongue. You want to have a great marriage, even if it's not great right now, start speaking life into that marriage. Amen? Where, where are my marriages that can say, absolutely, that's true? Absolutely. How many know the opposite is true too? If you begin to speak death, it won't be long till that marriage is dead. Dead. Our words connect us to people. Look at Ephesians 5, 25, 26. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Husbands, man, we should be washing our wives with our words. We should be speaking life into them, speaking hope into them, speaking peace into them. Wives, I know in your head you're amen, amen. But the same holds true. You should be speaking hope into that husband. You should be speaking life into that husband. You should be speaking peace into that husband. You know what's funny? Some of the most harshest and cutting words we say are to the people we love the most. Well, PK, I didn't say them directly to them. It doesn't matter if you spoke it right to them. You spoke it. You spoke it to that friend, that girlfriend, that guy friend. You spoke it to that small group, that prayer study. You spoke it. And once those words are spoken, only two things can happen, life or death. Parents. Dads, I cannot stress enough how important it is you, you, you choose the words you speak over your children. Moms, same for you. Because when you hear these words, you're just like your mom. You're just like your dad. How many know that's not always thrown, that, that's rarely thrown out in a positive context. And guess what? When you've spoken and spoken and spoken that over your son or daughter, don't be surprised when they do turn out just what you spoke over their lives. Think about words. You, very quickly, because I've got to hurry. 
If you'd have held on, I've got that point coming up. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> no, you can't. And you can't take that back. So I can't even, no. Uh, he's right. He's right. Words carry power. And some of you know the power of those words because here you are 40, 50, 60 years old and you still remember words that were spoken over you when you were 10, 11, 12. Because long after those words go away, they have the ability to stay with you. Stay with you. This is something I learned the hard way. And I'm, and I'm still learning it. And some of you, this will be some of the best advice you get today. <laughs> Just because you think something doesn't mean you have to say it. Are you hearing me? And that's, the, that's online also. Just because you think it. Let's ask a rhetorical question. How many have said something and immediately you regret it come out of your mouth? Yeah. I heard this somewhere. That words are like toothpaste. <laughs> when you squeeze them. <laughs> Here's the thing, and I am closing. Words are powerful. Sometimes the best thing we can do is shut our mouth. Shut our mouths. Well, can I, I need to say something. Do you, do you really need to say it or are you just wanting to say it? Does it really need to come out of your mouth or is just dry, something burning inside of you that, that's going to feel something inside of you, but it's going to leave them full of death? Let me tell you, the kind of fruit I want to produce in my life. And I'm still, I'm, I cannot stress, I don't get it right all the time. More than not, I get it wrong. Well, this lady here, man, I, I'll come to her and I'll say something to her. And th th just, I think it was last week, she asked me, I'd been, and it did it, I'd been cooking, I'd been doing something all day in the kitchen. And she, she said, what, oh, uh, eggs. She said, well, did you use the so-and-so eggs? And she just asked me if I, and I was like, well, I don't know. I guess I'm going to break, put, uh, you want me to put these yolk bake in these? And I'll use eggs you want me to use. And I'm just saying it's smart, Elkie. But to her, it's like, wow, where did that come from? And I, and I was like, you know what? I apologize. You, you know, you didn't you just ask me a simple question. And here I go. So I'm just telling you, I share that because I'm still, because man, I, I, and ask anybody that knows me, I am so much better than I used to be, but God has still got a lot of work to do on me. I want the words I speak to this woman right here to bring her life, not death. I want the words I speak to my son, my daughters, my grandkids. Hey, and Denise got on to me all the other day because I, I called Sonny. Oh, there's no grumpy butt. Grumpy butt. Kelly, don't you call him that. And I'm like, you know what? That's my buddy. I want to speak life into him. I want to speak life into my staff. It's something that God dealt with me. Uh, 
I guess three or four years ago, because me, Ben, Casey, Bob, and Scott, we are, we we will tear each other down and lovingly, but we will tear it because that's just, I don't know why guys do that, but we find it funny and find uh, find something that we can give them a hard time about, and 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 I would I caught myself doing it a couple times on stage, and then God says, quit that, stop that. Speak life into this thing. Speak life. I'm going to close with this passage, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the kind of fruit I want to produce. I don't want when I I don't want it to be an anomaly when I produce good fruit. You know what I mean? We're so, I do something around. They go, wow. I want to say, you know what? That's just what Kelly does. That's his heart. That's just how he does. Just like you know when we talk about why would Jesus forgive? Because that's just what Jesus does. He forgives. I want to have this kind of fruit in my life. The spirit of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Stand with me across this room. You know what? I didn't do this. I felt led to do this right now. I'm about to ask you husbands and wives that I'm going to start with the husbands. And we're going to take a moment here. And dads, moms, I want you to return to that wife. And I want you to say, you know what? I'm sorry for the times I spoke death and not life. Over you, over our marriage, over our kids. And then wives... You need to return it because no one gets out of this scot-free. We've all spoken words. Maybe you've said it to your kids. And you know you need to say, hey, I'm sorry for the times that I pronounced something over you. You're just going to be like this. You're lazy. You can't do anything right. I'm sorry for those words of death. I'm going to start doing better and speak life over So in this awkward moment, husbands, turn to that wife. 